At this time, we're going to go ahead and transition into a time in the Word of God. Um, so just to start off, question for us. How would you, if you lived in the time of slavery and you were a slave, how would you escape slavery? How would you consider gaining your freedom? Okay. Many men and women and families had to think about that. It was a real deal in the 1700s, 1800s here in this nation. And so during that time, for many of these men and women, they had to go through extreme lengths to be able to escape slavery, to get to freedom. One such man is the man by the name of Henry Brown. And Henry Brown's story goes that he was born in Virginia and, of course, into slavery. Growing up, he got married, had kids. But then there came a time in 1848 where he was separated from his family. His wife and kids were taken away from him and sent to a different state. At that point, he had to make a decision. And he was resolved to escape slavery. It's like, I got to get my freedom. I got to get, get, find a way out of here. And so his plan, in a moment of desperation, with, a, with the help of a couple friends, was to ship himself from, from Virginia, from Richmond, all the way to Philadelphia. And so with the help of two friends, Henry Brown wedged himself into a box, right, three feet by two feet, okay? And the box was labeled dry goods, and he was sent off. And his journey goes, traveling in a wagon, then by steamboat, um, and then, let me see, lost my place there. But anyway, through that time, and by railroad as well, okay, it was a long journey in this box, and all he had to survive on was some biscuits and, of course, and a little bit of water. And this journey would take Henry Brown 27 hours. And at one point, Somebody flipped his box upside down, so for 90 minutes, he was on his head. Henry Brown is quoted as saying, his eyes were bulging. He felt like he was going to die in that moment. But that's the extreme lengths that people would go to to escape their freedom. Finally, after those 27 hours, Henry Brown would arrive in Philadelphia in the home of an abolitionist where he can finally be free. And so then he received his freedom in that moment as he made it to the north, and, of course, he would become popular, somewhat of a celebrity, right, because of his story. He would become known as Henry Box Brown. And he would go all over telling his story and kind of a magician of sorts. Okay. But that freedom was so fleeting, and it only lasts so long. Because then in the 1850s, the Fugitive Slave Act was passed and enacted, which meant that, right, if you escaped and you were found to still be a slave, even in the North, you can be brought back into slavery. So Henry had to take even another step and leave America all in general and end up in London. And so this is just one example, right? Just one example and one story of many men and women who were under the bounds of slavery and the extreme lengths that they went through through the support of others and with the walk of others to be able to get to freedom. How much more us if we consider our own lives? Because for each of us at some point, there's a greater slavery that we are under, and that is slavery to sin. 
a slavery that starts way back in Genesis with the fall. And this slavery, we cannot escape by our own attempts, no matter how great, no matter how wise, with whatever, with the help and support of others. We can only be free from this kind of slavery through Jesus. And that's what he walks us through here in this passage this morning that we're going to go ahead and look at. So I'm going to invite you to read John 8, 31 through 39. And so for those of you who've been joining us, those of you who've been with us for a while, we've been in the sermon series in the Gospel of John. And looking at Jesus, as John points to Jesus as God in various aspects. And so if you want to turn there, there's Bibles in front of you. It'll be up here as well. We'll go ahead and read that. And then we're going to pray here as we dive into our message this morning. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offsprings of Abraham and have never been slave to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offsprings of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Would you join me as we pray before we receive the word? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we take that for granted. Just a revelation of who you are, that we would have access to how you've revealed yourself. And so this morning, once again, God, would you open up our minds, would you open up our ears, and would you soften our hearts to receive the truth of your word, to point us as it points us to you, as it shows us you, who you really are, and who we are in light of who you are, God. Lord, I need your help. Matter of fact, I don't even need your help. I need you. I need you to speak in this moment. That everyone in this room needs to hear from you, not from me. Bring clarity to your word. Bring power to your word. Demonstrate your word this morning, God, as we look at it. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So what is happening here? So we're at the end of the festivals of shelters or um, the festivals of booths, and Scott's been walking us through that. And Jesus was beginning to make his way out of Jerusalem in which he would later return to finally be put on the cross. And so where we're at here, Jesus speaking to a group of crowd that are identified as Jewish believers. They had believed Jesus to a certain extent, Right? And so we know that because of what we see here as we keep going down the passage. And so as he's addressing this group, Jesus began to explain to them, hey, if you are going to believe in me, if you truly trust in me, if you're going to be true disciples, this is what true discipleship is about. These are the marks of discipleship. First and foremost, abide in my word. Okay? That idea of abiding. Other translations call it continuing or remaining or dwelling right? Make your residence. Be, find your place in my word, and my word find its place in you. We're not going to go too much into the abiding peace because that'll come up again here in this gospel 
in chapter 15. Half the chapter is about abiding. And so we'll hit that there. But just in general, as disciples of Jesus, we are defined by abiding in him. Abiding in his word. Why does that matter? He says, if you abide in me, then you will know the truth. That's important. You will know the truth. You will know the truth. And if you know the truth, then the truth will what? The truth sets you free. Right? These are common, famous verses that we hear. So, the, so there's that breakdown. There's that transition of like, abide, and then you will know the truth, and then you will be set free. You will walk in freedom. And so, considering if Jesus would say that to us, what would be your response, right? You would think the crowd would be like, yeah, Jesus, tell us how we can actually get free. But that's not what happens. Rather than saying, Jesus, we see you for who you are. You are the one who can make us free. Like, no, we are the offspring of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham. Abraham is our father. What do they mean by that? For them, in saying that, they are clinging to multiple things. In this case, really, their ethnic identity, right, as being born of Abraham, physical descendants. But also, a piece of it is that spiritual identity. They said we are offsprings of of Abraham. We have never been slaves, they said. And in this case, really, I think they're linking with Jesus because what Jesus is saying to them, connected with them, because they're, they're not talking about physical slavery. If they were, it would kind of be hysterical because we know the history of Israel, don't we? And they know their own history, right? Even at this time, as Jesus is talking to them, they are under the rule and power of the Romans. And if we take that back, the Greeks were ruling over them just before that. And if you take that back, the Persians... And if you take that back, the Babylonians, Assyrians, all the way to who? Egypt. Slavery for 430 years. They're not talking about physical slavery here. They understood in some way that Jesus is talking about a spiritual enslavement. But yet, they wouldn't respond in the same way. So for them in saying, we have never been slaves. They thought, right, we got the temple with the chosen people, with the people of God, we are spiritually free. They didn't understand and couldn't really see their need to be made fully free in Jesus. That Jesus ultimately is bringing to fruition and fulfillment what they've been longing for and what they've been looking to in God. Right? Jesus is that. They trusted themselves. They say, How can you say we will be free? How can you say we will be free? Almost an accusation, like, who are you to say that? Like, we don't need this. And for us, right, none of us here are descendants of Abraham. I'm making an assumption. Any Jewish brothers and sisters up in here? No, didn't think so. All right. Okay. So for us, it's easy to be able to disconnect with that. So we're not, we're not descendants of 
Abraham. But at the same time, let's consider we live in a nation that prides itself on its what? Freedom. Right? Home of the brave, land of the free. It's our thing since the conception of this nation. So it's easy, and even most people would say, right, could make the same comment. We have never been slaves. We are free. Why do we need to be freed? What do we need to be freed from? Let us not get caught up in that, to think of ourselves not needing this freedom in Jesus. Okay? And even as Christian believers, it may be that, so you're not, you're disconnecting from the first two. Consider many of us as part of our testimony may be able to say and share, hey, I grew up in a Christian home, or I went to church all my life, or you identify with spiritual things. That doesn't mean you are spiritually free. Okay? You can't claim, I've never been a slave. I've never really been bound to sin. We all have. We all are. And the sooner we recognize that, the more we're able to respond to the free gift that we received in Jesus. Do we, do you, have you recognized your own need to be made free? Now, in in this way, it's twofold, right? Because if you've come to Jesus, you are free, but we got to continue to live in that freedom. But then if you haven't come to Jesus at all, that's the first step. We got to come to him. Jesus goes on to explain what is the issue here. He gets at the heart. What is the issue? He says, those that practice sin are slaves to sin. There it is, right? So they're not slaves in the physical, but they're slaves to their own sin. They're slaves to their own understanding of the truth of who God is. They're slaves to their own religion and ways of worship, thinking that they know that they know God by these means. In being slaves, it means that sin has power over them. Sin is controlling them. Sin is letting them to pursue the things that they are not to pursue, and ultimately to not pursue God. They're under its authority. And so for these Jewish believers, later on, as we look at towards the end of this passage, right, Jesus said, listen, I acknowledge that you are physical descendants of Abraham, but understand that you are slaves to your sin. How do you know? You're trying to kill me. If you were really free, you wouldn't be so offended, and your offense take you even greater to the point that you are desiring to kill me. If you really knew the heart of God, if you really were of Abraham, Abraham who would sacrifice his own son in obedience to God, you would not be intent on killing me. By that, you are slaves to your sin. You are sons of a different father and not God the Father, the one that I come from. They were practicing sin, and so they were slaves to sin. Let's think about this idea of practice. Right? When you practice something, why would you practice something? Whether sport or business or medicine or things like that. Get better, Get better at it. Right? 
What's, what's, what's the saying that we hear all the time? Practice makes what? Perfect. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. And so in their continued pursuit, they are just continuing to give themselves to their sin. And they made a practice of it, of that is what they're living for rather than truly living for God. Where are you at with that? In your own life, is there sin that takes hold of you? Even though you're free in Jesus, that you're practicing, you just can't see yourself breaking away, you can't see yourself walking in freedom from this thing. Is it lust? Is it at work in you? Has it as you bound? Is it controlling your life? And when we're talking about lusts here, usually in a huge way, just some it, 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 like things of sexual desire nature and, and so forth, and just the freedom from that. And I speak to that because that's a huge issue in our nation, right? Amongst other things, even for young people. I remember in my own story having some, young, some, some older men when I first came to the U.S. actually as a nine-year-old showing a magazine I shouldn't have seen. That kept me in cycles of slavery to, to that kind of sin. The biggest industry, one of the biggest industries in our nation right now is the adult entertainment, and it keeps men bound and makes them slaves that they cannot be husbands, they can't be fathers, they can't be whatever. This thing takes hold and enslaves people rather than having them be free in Jesus. Is it pride for you? Right? Thinking highly of yourself, exalting yourself, or even the pride to say that I don't need God. What we were just hearing at the beginning of this. Is that not most of our nation right now? And nations of the world, we have no need for God. We can do this ourselves. And even on the extreme end, it's not being puffed up in pride, but also the other opposite and extreme is also pride to think lowly of yourself and not worthy of Jesus. That is also pride on the other end of things. Is it greed? Is it alcoholism? Is it drugs? Is it anger? Right? Things that you fully see yourself given to often. If someone says something to you, right? All of a sudden, you turn green, Hulk smash, everything, right? No real restraint. Oh, I'm always angry, right? That's my secret. Is it work? Is it being a workaholic? Like, while, while work is a good thing, we can, be, we can become slaves to our work. and not really honoring God in that truly. Again, could it be religion? That we think somehow we're cool and we're good with God just by being here, or coming to church on a different day, or going to a different church service, or even opening up our Bible, matter of fact, right? No, is it that? What is it for you? What is the thing that continues to draw you back, that pulls you away from God, though you're free? Or are you even free at all to begin with? Do you even know Jesus to begin with? That's the starting point. 
And going on from this point, Jesus, trying to make this clear, makes a distinction between this group of people and ultimately even ourselves and himself. Gives a picture of a house. He said, the slave does not remain in the house, right? But rather, it's the son that remains in the house forever. What is he saying, right? So, a slave, property, right? You don't have a relationship. The relationship is based on your performance and your work. You're there to do the work, okay? A slave can also be sold and sent away whenever, however, the master of the house would desire and decide. But the son, in contrast, has what? The son has the relationship. The son received the inheritance. The son is the owner of the house. The son has the authority in the home. The son remains in the house forever. This is... And you know what he even says, if we look at it, just even in the specific, it's a minor thing. He doesn't say a son, he says the son. Right? Because Jesus is not another amongst many. He's the one and only. Okay? The son that is talking about is Jesus. And all of us, again, we are slaves to our sin at some point, and we are needing to be set free. Even if we, if you want to go to 1 Chronicles 7.14, taking a look at this, as we look at this language that makes it clear, again, Jesus' position as the Son. He says, when your days are filled to walk with your fathers, I will raise you, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from you, from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established. And so these three verses are summarizing what is known as the Davidic um, covenant, right? What Jesus had promised the king, what God had promised the king David, that a son will reign and sit on his throne forever to rule his house forever. And so these words here are true. You saw a lot of them, true of Jesus. He will be in my house. I will grant him my house. I will establish him in my house. He will remain in my house forever and rule. And so in order to see this, um, I'm going to do a short illustration here. Don't let me hear myself. It's all right. It'll be okay, babe. You worried about me? No, not at all. I like that. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. You're stuck. Am I? Okay. So as we talk about, as you can see, (laughs) our sin, we choose it. We take it. We enslave ourselves. We are bound up. And we can't set ourselves free. How might I try to set myself free? How typically do people try to set themselves free? Any thoughts? Can shout some out. Break your thumb. thumb. I heard a key. Okay. By their own power. Yep. Huh? 
Ask a friend. Okay. Yeah, this is some good stuff. You guys hit, hit on a lot of it, right? There are some things, different ways we try to attempt to set ourselves free. can do what Moses did, right? To the greatest slave, slave mass tasker ever, Pharaoh, who said, let my people go. Set them free. Set the slave free. Try could talk to my sin and it seems silly. It's like, let me go. Let me go. Let me set me free. Doesn't work. Right? You have no authority. Even Moses himself, who had the authority of God, right, was able to set the slave. You have no authority. Our words cannot set us free. We try to do or, or think or, or what, what our world even emphasizes for some of these things is the behavior change, right? Three steps, five steps, seven steps, 12 step programs. Like if you do this in this order, then you can change yourself and be transformed and be free. Again, that's not a knock on those programs because I think they are helpful in some way, but truly they can't take you to the place of knowing God. That doesn't replace the transformation and change that God can actually bring himself. Can it? Right? So if I were like to do, you know, slide to the left, slide to the right, five steps now. No, it's still here. Still bound, right? I can try by my strength. What does that do? You only hurt yourself. Typically when we try by our own strength to get out of our sin, we just end up in cycles of it that's even more damaging and even more hurtful. Someone mentioned, right, I can ask for help. There's how many of you in here? Maybe about 100 people or so. Can y'all actually help me? Can any of you actually help me or set me free? No. There is only one person in this room right now that can actually do that. And only one person who has the keys to unbound these chains, to set me free. Alex, would you come and set me free, please? And baby Ember. Ember's going to set me free, actually. Uh, she's the one. I don't know which side. Nope. Do, I, do I need to? There you go. Wow, oh, perfect. Nope. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> he is loose. Just like there was one person, and that one person who has the key, the one key, to set me free from this. Jesus, right? Jesus, the Son. Jesus, the Son. He is that key to our freedom. He is that key to our continued freedom if we've already come to freedom in him. He alone can bring freedom to those who recognize their condition. I have to be able to know that I am a slave. And realize that, like sin has power over me, okay, in order to be set free, right? We sang the song, and here it is, and it's in the next verse. The Son is the one that sets you free. Earlier, we read what? The truth will set you free. And so these things go hand in hand, right? Because when we talk about truth, I didn't really elaborate on it earlier, 
It's not an increased knowledge or this profound knowledge of a certain thing, but rather is the knowledge and the revelation of Jesus himself. That is the truth. If you know that truth, that truth is what sets you free. It's not knowing truth about government and how government runs or vaccines or whatever it is, all these different things that we're arguing about and dividing ourselves about. If you know the truth of who Jesus is and what he's come to do, that is what sets you free. That is what assures you of life now and life eternal. That is the greatest truth that you can know, right? That even if you're not the most intelligent person having known all that there is to know in the world, you can have the greatest freedom to ever be offered. That's eternity in the Lord. It's the truth about Jesus that sets us free. Jesus is the one. Jesus is this key that sets us free. And by, again, if we remember that image earlier, slaves versus son. The slave cannot make himself a son, can he? Can he? No. He's got no means, no power to. Jesus, the son, right? Because he's the one who has never was a slave to sin. He overcame sin, was able to die for that sin. And so in that regard, him being the son, he's able to make sons and daughters of us. Give us, we who are slaves, we who were slaves, can be sons and daughters, only because Jesus makes us sons and daughters. Check out this word in Galatians 4, 7. It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then through, then an heir through God. And so together with Jesus, we have become part of the family of God. We're free from the power of sin in our lives. We're free from death, okay? Because the slave, right? If we remain slaves in our sin, even when we die, we're still a slave to our sin in eternity as well. That is reality, right? You will be given over to your sin if that's what you desire and remain a slave forever. Or we can now become free and remain free even into eternity. You are free indeed. It's not a temporary freedom, right? We started with the story of the slaves who had escaped to the north or to different places to be free, but that freedom was always temporary, right? There was a chance they could be put back. There was a chance they, they, that new loss would bring them back. But the freedom that Jesus brings is an everlasting one. It's not just now in this moment. It's not just a temporary freedom. It's a forever freedom. And while we don't always feel that or know that, that is truth, and that is the assurance and reality of what Jesus has done in yours and in my life. You experience true freedom. Would you go ahead and bring that quote up? I like this quote here by D.A. Carson, um, theology teacher, as he says, True freedom is not the freedom to do anything we please, but the liberty to do what we ought. It is genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. So what it means, our hearts are shaped, we're transformed, we're made new, that we can actually love God, respond to him, obey him, walk with him. Right? What does Paul say? I do what I don't want to do, but what I want to do, I don't do. What the freedom that Jesus brings allows us that. And we have pleasure in that, and we take joy in that. Okay? That's what this freedom that Jesus offers brings. 
And so we have that freedom, and every day we must make that choice. You can go to the next slide there. Part of this freedom also, we are made free to receive his word. That his word begin to take hold and have a place in us. Right? Part of his issue with the group that he was talking to says, Your, my word had no place in you. It didn't change you. Here I am speaking to you, declaring to you the truth of God, but it's not taking place in your heart. It's not bringing change. It's not transforming you. Like if we're truly free, the word of God will have its way in us and continue to transform us. And so what does that come about? As we started about earlier, it's by abiding in the word of God. Jesus is the revelation of the word of God, right? He comes and reveals the word. The word of God reveals Jesus. They go hand in hand. And so it's not a matter of us spending, right, quantity of time in the Word or absorbing a quantity amount of the Scripture, but rather having a quality engagement with the Scriptures, with the Word of God. And as we continue to grow in Jesus, the more we're able to live in the reality of the freedom that He's brought about. Because even as believers, it's easy for us to cling back be pulled back towards that sin, that thing that he's freed us from. It's right there staring you in the face, right? In every moment. It's right there. It's everywhere. But we must continue to choose to walk in freedom each and every day. And so as we come to a time of close here, considering where are you at? Are you here and you've never known Jesus, which means you are a slave to your sin? That's what rules your life. Would you remain in that? Though Jesus offers you freedom. Or if you are here, you have been freed by Jesus, you have been freed by the Son, you have a relationship with Him, yet you find yourself, right, maybe bound, led to these other things, back to the old life, how would you go about continuing in that freedom? Are you needing Jesus to remind you of the realities of that freedom? Is there areas in your life, we listed and we talked about a lot of things, where you need freedom from Jesus, or that freedom from Jesus need to be a reality? At this time, we're going to go ahead and transition into a time of prayer. I want you to just bring your heart, bring those things. Examine your heart. Man, God, you set me free. Am I truly free? Are these things when you consider your life? Are you truly free? What from? And who has set you free? Is it Jesus? Or are you still attempting to set yourself free? I'm going to pray for us here, and I invite you, honestly, pray. Take this time to reflect. Actually, we might take just a minute or two in silence and think over that. Think over the freedom that Jesus has given you. And then we'll pray. And then we've got one last song here. Um, be a video that we'll worship to and listen to and receive the words of that. Yeah. Bring your heart before the Lord. Talk to him. Right. If you feel good with where you're at, with the freedom that he's brought, thank him for that. Praise him for that. He's worthy of it.
Lord Jesus, here we are. Father, I, I just pray right now by your Holy Spirit, bring conviction to our hearts. Lord, where there's areas where we would make ourselves slaves or we're still slaves, God, would we recognize our need to be set free? Would we be humble enough to admit that we can't free ourselves? There's nothing, no remedy, no fix, no whatever, no one else but you that can do that. That you have offered yourself for us to look to you, that you are the one true son who reigns in the house of the Father forever, who reigns for eternity. That, Lord, we don't have to live as slaves, neither in this life, for sure not in the next life, when we come to know you. So, Lord, I pray specifically for anyone in this room who's never come to the place of, 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 of confessing their need for you, their need for salvation, to be made a son and daughter. God, would you meet them with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and draw them to yourself. I pray against any lies that they would believe about you or about themselves. That they're not good enough or they have to be cleaned up first or their life has to be fixed and be right. No, you took on that sin as it did not overcome you. You did not give in to it, but you took it on so that we don't have to be bound to it. So that no one in this room has to be bound to it. So that each and every person here, if they would repent and respond, can have that freedom in you, Jesus. God, for those who have trusted in you for this freedom, I pray that they would continue to walk in the realities of those freedoms. Not bound up, not being slaves, not given in to their sin. Sin doesn't control them. You do. So, Lord, for anybody in this place wrestling and dealing with issues of lust and purity, God, I pray for freedom of heart to honor you. For anyone caught up and stuck up in pride, whether thinking highly of themselves or lowly of themselves, thinking lowly of you and not highly of you, Jesus, would you bring freedom in this place, God? Meet them and bring change to their hearts in only ways that you can. We're dealing with addictions to alcohol or drugs or work, even positive things like that, or entertainment. God, would you bring freedom so that we take pleasure in you and you are our delight. You are what fills us. And if we're caught up in the strangles and the holes of religion, going through the motions, Walking the walk, talking the talk, but not truly having a heart for God. Jesus, bring freedom. Make us free today. As only you can. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.